James. Here we are. We are here. It's funny. It's the same place I was just a minute ago. <laughs> Sometimes that works out. It's amazing how that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still in a very quiet house. There are many other living, breathing beings in this house with me. I'm just the only one who's functional at this hour. Yeah. Well, you're, al- you're also like, yeah, three times older than them. So. Uh, Am I actually, uh, oh my God, yeah, I think I am. <laughs> Shit, thanks for that. You're welcome. That that just, um, wow, that just put a framing bias on my entire day. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anything I can do. That was, That's a great, wow. Wow, thanks. Yep. Anything I can do. <laughs> no problem. Shit. All right, well. Yeah. Happy to have that as the, as my my lead in for the day. I'm old. <laughs> You're old. Yeah. Well, at You're least so I old. at least I don't have to get up off the floor when this is done. If I'm lucky, I can get up off the floor. <laughs> you just roll yourself out into the hallway and down it, the stairs. It takes it every. What have we been doing this for like three years? It yeah. takes every time I get up off the floor. It's like, uh, oh, the hips, <laughs> the knees. It. <laughs> And it's not like I'm not exercising and stretching and stuff throughout the week. What I found is that as we get older, you have to do that more and more and more regularly. Oh, sure. And for longer periods of time, just to stay freaking functional. Mm-hmm. Uh, inertia is real. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. Sitting in one place. Well, I mean, the number of times, especially right now. So my, you know, as, as you well know, my, my wife is out of town for a few days. So I'm sitting in my lazy boy at night watching TV with a beer or two or three. And getting out of that chair and up to the bedroom has less and less relevance <laughs> as the days go on. <laughs> and sometimes it's just, I could just turn off the TV and close my eyes for a while, and maybe I'll go upstairs later. This is why those old, like, bachelor farmers, like, their their entire property in the inside of their house look like a bomb went off. Because <laughs> they just, it's just, over the years, they give less and less of a shit. Oh, of course. There's 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 no significant other around to harp on them. <laughs> my my, my to do list for the weekend. A lot of it involves go into this room, get rid of the clutter. Go into that room and get rid of the clutter. Because over the last couple of days, it, you, I I just can't even. You should you should see what's going on in my bedroom. Clothes from the last four days piled up on my wife's side of the bed. Oh, uh, I'm the opposite. Oh, are you clean when yeah. I'm yeah when I'm when I'm by myself it's like clean stuff up do this do that yeah i'll do that all at once today but leading up to today the last three or four days i'm like yeah that'll be there tomorrow and i know mm. where i put it <laughs> god knows the kids here aren't going to clean it up for me well there's that yeah yeah but today today i get to go beer shopping so oh that's, that's good fun yeah it might be good we'll see we'll see I what i go, end up buying i have to go pick up my beer of the month from the vintage ah uh, yes very so, nice yep I uh I need to well as as we'll we'll we've got an interview coming up and I need to go pick up some beer to to test drive a couple of things before mm. we have our our guest on the show. This is true. You you knock yourself out on that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be buying some things using colors not found in nature. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be super interesting. And a uh yeah. I'm not going to give it away. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, today. Today. Today on Hopnology Podcast. Bum, bum, bum. We are going to talk about value added. What does that concept mean, particularly in 
in the the physical cost of adding value to a hop product from off the bind green hop cone mm -hmm. to let's just say pellet. We're not going to go into advanced products because it just that goes down a rabbit hole. Sure. Um, because I again Discord, we had the question and the observation of you know really uh, paraphrasing how much value is added in the act of drying and pelletizing to the point of, well, you're thinking like, well, of course it's valuable because most of the market uses that form. Like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the actual physical monetary value add of that step. So in this particular case, if you as a grower were selling to a wholesaler processor, they're going to give you X dollars for your, by weight of, for your green wet hops. And then they're going to go through the act of drying and pelletizing. They're going to sell it as value added. Mm -hmm. But how much does it actually cost them to add that value? And is the value you're adding proportional to what it actually costs them to do it? Interesting. Wow. Mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> when you dig into it, and I think you dig into any agricultural product that goes through secondary and tertiary process is oftentimes referred to as value adding. What you find is that the people who are making the money are those people that are doing those quote value added steps mm -hmm. because what they've done is they've separated the producer from the market. I should say by virtue of adding a secondary step and it creates like a barrier or a hurdle for that, for that grower to be able to do one more thing. So as soon as that, that individual is in that position between the who's ever growing it and who's ever buying it, ultimately they control the market. They do. They're the relationship between the supplier and the, and the end market. Right. And they're a, you know, think about any retail store, really. It, it's the same concept in that you, you can't order your cheese directly from Kraft. You just, I, I don't think you can. You well, need to go to the this supermarket. Is, this get is it Wisconsin. I mean, in uh, okay. Wisconsin, it's, it's, uh, you get Bad it like a, like a tax return. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. Not, not the best choice of an example. Kraft doesn't make cheese. They make cheese food products. Oh, Lord. Okay. Work with me here. <laughs> there is a middleman between the consumer and Kraft. Yes. <laughs> right. And He's, sometimes, I mean, let's, let's face it, the value, the, the wholesaler processor for hops is adding value to the product because otherwise, what would you be left with? You'd be left with wet hops that could only be used really at the point of harvest, and that would be it. Yeah, and so, and pro processing, I find this to be a difficult example in all candor because to me, there's more than value added going on in the processing side. It's a, It can be a binary decision point for the buyer at that point where they will... No, there's a difference between I like my hops better that way than this way and mm -hmm. I will not buy them that way and only this way. Is that confirmation bias or is that framing or is that? <laughs> no, that's that's just what I need for my for my recipe to work. Or, or the equipment that you're using. Oh, the equipment that you're using. Right. Yeah. So you may not be able to actually use whole dried flowers mm -hmm. because your equipment's not designed that way. So that now the industry's really conspired against you as a grower because now the equipment the your end customer needs hops in that form right i'm going to go back to cheese okay. i could buy a block of cheese cheaper than shredded cheese 
I prefer the shredded cheese for the way my recipe calls for it, but I could use the block if I had to and shred it myself. My right. my middleman is shredding the cheese for me. Well, likewise, a brewer could pelletize their own hops. Oh, yeah, but that's not going to happen. Well, right. Just like you're not shredding your own cheese isn't going to happen. You're going to pay somebody else to do it for you. I got a Big, shredder. Yeah. How often do you shred your own cheese? All the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the time. You bet. I, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> some of that good on there baby okay <laughs> you know what i mean note so to, note to self stop using cheese metaphors. Stop using cheese metaphors, yes. <laughs> yeah i get what you're saying but this whole concept of adding value i purposely didn't take a lot of notes on this and that i want to run some numbers too and i want to do it mm -hmm. live sure because i want i want to work through this concept without having any any kind of canned commentary because this is something that I think all small-scale hop growers face when they're like, do I process or don't I process? Mm -hmm. And processing, you know, can be, you know, is drying processing. Not, we typically don't consider drying part of processing. We usually consider that an on-farm activity because hop drying is a agricultural process where processing is pelletizing where you're changing the form and you have to have licenses and all that kind of stuff. True. True, but 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 to your initial point about what a value added is, adding a secondary step, mm -hmm. drying is when you've when you've taken those binds down and you have wet hops, you you have finished the growing process. Mm -hmm. So to your point, drying is a step that your purchaser may or may not be willing to pay more for. Pelletizing is a pro, is a net is a further step that your buyer may or may not be willing to pay you for. Right. So so I so I would think that the drying is a value-added piece of this. It is. It is value-added, but I'm going to separate drying from processing. Yes, yes. So Agreed. it's a value-added step. And I, I want to actually come back to this exact point about drying or not drying and the quote, the difference between adding value and price point. Mm -hmm. Two different things. Yep, sure. So because the act of not drying it and going with wet creates a specialty product even though you're not going through a value-added step. Very weird. Okay, so I'll, let's circle back to that. Um, so let's talk about drying at first, though, to say how much value, quote-unquote. I'm not talking market place acceptance value. <clears throat> I'm talking what's it cost you to dry, and how many pennies are you adding to that actual crop you know, as, we, as you look at cost of goods sold. Okay. What is drying? Drying is, well, you're removing water. And removing water takes a lot of energy. It takes, it takes a lot of energy over a short term period, or it takes a much smaller amount of energy, but a lot more time. Mm -hmm. One of the two. And they, There's both, no, they both cost something. They absolutely both cost something. There's no way around it. <clears throat> so on the large scale, for like our friends in other places that, you know, they do listen to this podcast and they are selling to large scale brokers like Anheuser-Busch. In those scenarios... You're, you're taking and you're delivering wet hops to their own dryers, kilns as they call them, and they're doing their thing with them. What we know is you do the math about how much water is in a wet cone and how, how, how you've got to get that, get that moisture out over X amount of time, let's say eight hours, for a, for a charge on a, on a kiln. So on a small-scale grower, let's just use a, an easy number here. Let me pull up my thinking machine 
So let's see, 12, 9, 20 by 3, 720 cubic feet. A dry, that will be a dry weight of, let's just say, 1,000 pounds. So to do, to get those hops dry using heat, you need, uh, over an eight-hour period, you need 1.3 million BTUs per hour. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, 1.3 million BTUs per hour times eight. So 10,400,000 BTUs. Divided by 100,000. That's 104 therms if one is using natural gas. Or about $603 in natural gas for 1,000 pounds of hops at today's gas price, ag agricultural gas price. So that's how I look at that. When, when people ask me, like, well, what is this actual value that you're adding? How much are, are you putting into it from a, from a money standpoint? You're, what is that, about 60 cents? Yeah, that's about right. yeah, 60 cents a pound for the actual energy that's going into, into that hot product. Let's say 60 cents a pound. That's dry weight. So that's at your 8% moisture content, 60 cents a pound. The rest of that weight is obviously going off, is going away as water. It takes a lot of energy to do that. Now you could cut, you could dramatically reduce the actual input cost from like heating by stretching out the time. You could say, okay, I don't want to do that over eight hours. I'm going to do it over 16 or 32 or 48 hours. And you do that, and you have to dump less and less and less energy into it over that time frame. But you're, it's costing you time. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and depending on the size of your crop, that, that additional time can result in needing more space. Correct. And that is not cheap. No. That's a, that is, but that is a, an infrastructure sunk cost, which is different than the conversation that we're having here mm -hmm. because if you're properly adequately scaled that becomes less of a factor you do have ongoing maintenance and blah 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 and amortization boring okay so you're, you're taking it for granted that the that that's all there got yeah it. exactly yep so let's just say 60 cents a pound as a grower you're showing up with a thousand pounds of wet hops so at a thousand pounds and you're harvesting at 75% moisture content, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just say, let's just make those easy numbers, right? Sure. So what that says is 75% moisture content. So 75% of the weight of those hops is water. That has to be gotten rid of. It's a waste product. And people don't think about it like that. No, <laughs> They think, like, okay, I'm showing up, I'm dropping off my hops, and you're going to give me how much back? I'm getting robbed. Well, now that processor or the dryer has to remove a waste product in order to turn those, turn those hops into something that's saleable. Right. That costs, as we just said, time and, and money. How much? How much is that worth? Well, I just gave you the, the, the you're, you're going to remove, let's get it down to, let's say, 8% because of moisture content and the rest is going to be dry matter. So let's just say for, for shits and giggles that you need to remove... 65% of the mass of that cone. That's a lot mm -hmm. that, you're, that you're walking in the door with. So that processor is going to say, okay, just based on water weight alone, this is what you're coming in at. This is what the moisture content is. This is how much we're going to charge you to do that. And it's going to cost about 60 cents a pound to do that. And you're like, well, then why am I rolling in here at, you're going to do that calculation. 
0.65. So let's just say I'm I'm rolling in here with a thousand pounds of hops, and I'm and and you're going to pay me on pounds dry. Well, let's just say 450 pounds is what's going to come out the other end. That's what I'm going to get paid on. Well, then shouldn't I just be getting paid on that dry weight times the cost of you doing it? No, dummy. They're in it to make money, too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if everyone charged cost, then yeah, no. Right. And the 60 cents was just fuel cost, right? Now you've got mm-hmm. all of their overhead operations to go to go through. And let's say it doesn't stop there. Let's say now it's not just about getting them dry. Now they've got to store it. Mm-hmm. And cold storage is not cheap. So they're looking at their overall manufacturing chain. And if they're also the processor, now it's going to move through into processing. So they're going to have the, all the cost of actually getting the, the moisture out, bailing the product, doing all the quality testing on it, storing it, which is probably as much or more than the cost of actually removing the moisture. Sure. Just to get it to a point where it can be pelletized. So all of those costs that are in there, I would assume, would probably end up being somewhere in the neighborhood of, let's just, let's just round it to a dollar. Mm-hmm. Let's say a dollar total to deal with your, with your hops, to get that to a state where they can be pelletized. And you're talking, you're not even talking about, you're talking about um, zero sum at that point, not a company have to make money. Correct. Okay. Now we're going to go and we're going to pelletize it. What we know about pelletizing is that going from a, a whole drag cone to a pellet in a bag, we've got an idea of, a really good idea, of what it actually <laughs> costs to do that. And it's completely scalable. So the bigger the pellet mill you have, the, the cheaper it is, the more you can put out. And we're finding that the actual act of turning a dried hop into a pellet is some, is it's pennies of the pound yep pennies so let's just say for giggles it's it's 10 cents so you're like it really costs that little to pelletize oh my god no that's the cost to run it that's not the cost to get into pelletizing (laughs) the reason we do that is there are some reason you know some some brewing reasons why we like to use pellets you know like less surface area easier to, to handle blah 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 but that's a huge barrier to entry for people. Sure. So they look at the first cost and they're like, oh, my God, I can't afford to do that. But you get to a certain scale and you're like, you can't afford to not do that. So you're, you're let's just say to the, from drying to the point you get this thing into a pouch and, and in a box ready to sell is a buck ten, a pound. That's on top of the dollar drying cost. No, total. Oh, it's total. It's total. Yeah, okay. it's total. So a buck ten, buck twenty, somewhere in that range. Now you've got holding costs because those things are going to be warehoused. And again, where are they going? They're going into cold storage. That ain't cheap. So I would say net net at the end of the day, you're probably looking at somewhere around, depending on how quickly they they would sell, probably somewhere around two dollars a pound. You know, pelletized. Mm -hmm. Now what are they going to sell them for? Well, if it's Cascade. Three, <laughs> you, you're not you're not making any money, <laughs> no, right? But if it's something like Rewaka or or Simcoe or something like that, Strata or something that has a high dollar value, 
you're making a ma- a big, big, big gain. Mm-hmm. And now, granted, these are all these are all numbers that I'm coming up with based on scale and whatnot. Blah blah blah. Don't go into your large scale processor and say I know exactly what you're making because James said so. That's my caveat because everybody's system's a little bit different. But I'm just looking at orders of magnitude here because even before the really super popular hops came onto the scene, we were st- we were in that what was the average price range? It was like three dollars a pound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a sale price to the brewer. So how much money is in it to get it to that point? And who is the one who has controls that transformation, that quote value add? It's the wholesaler processor. So if anybody's going to make any money, they're going to be the ones that, that, that are going to try and control that relationship in order to find the profit margin there. And, and they have to, to make it worth their time. Uh, we, we did some of this back when we had the farm and we had lim- we had lower limits of, you know, we had people saying, can you process my 50 pounds? No, Mm-mm. just not worth our time. Nope. There was a, there was a time when our system was smaller that we did that. Mm-hmm. But as we grew into it, you know, it's, it's a difference between going from 200 or 300 pounds of pellets an hour to 3000 pounds an hour. And suddenly that 50 pounds is getting swept up off the floor because it's just, yeah, you know, that's, it's, 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 uh, it's yes. diminishing returns there. We'll, we'll uh, buy your 50 pounds and use it to clean out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that grower or that processor is taking in, you, you kind of have an idea what their cost is to get it into the hands of, of a brewer. Now you're looking at it and they're saying, okay, Ms. or Mr. Grower, your quality, your chemistry, your this, that, how much trash is in there that's actually not hops like, oh, say, a leg of a deer and uh, dead birds, cigarette wrappers, all sorts of interesting things we found in hop bales from people when we were going to process them. What are we actually going to pay you on? And that gets into your contract. How are they paying you? Are they, they're going to pay you on, back in the day, it used to be pounds alpha. And that way back in the day, like in the 80s, because they, that's all anybody cared about was how much alpha acid am I getting off of my acres because that's all that the hops were used for. Now Nowadays is different. So pounds alpha really aren't there. So it's like, okay, what, what are the other quality attributes that they're looking at? They're looking at color. They're looking at, again, that trash content. Are they looking at the general chemistry in order to get you in a range? Because they're obviously not going to want to pay you the same amount for hops that they deem a lower quality. And I think you've got to be very careful as a grower about what those terms are, because the less that that, you know what their margin is. And certainly for small scale growers who don't have access to these proprietary varieties, you don't have a whole lot of leg to stand on when it comes to negotiating, because you may not you don't have that extra value, that wider profit margin from a super popular variety that the wholesaler knows they're going to get more from. So they could actually end up paying you more for your product because they know they can make more on it and take the loss in processing. But with a with a variety that's a conventional variety, they don't that choice doesn't exist because that's pretty much they know where their upper limit is on that price. And at that point, they're like, I'm not going to touch these if I can't make any money. Yeah, why would you? So who's going to who's 
who's going to get the shaft? The grower's going to get the shaft. And that irritates farmers big time. I think it it's why very angry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's why a lot of them go into doing their own processing. Yep. And and it's not you know p- part of part of the original idea behind our farm was growers should grow processors should process marketers should market and growers don't like to do those other things they're busy enough i think they they look at it and they say they start doing the math well the barrier to entry is huge i'm getting shafted right i'm looking at this i'm getting shafted and and look at what these hops are selling for they're selling for 15 dollars a pound and i'm getting paid 45 cents a pound wet i'm getting hosed Mm -hmm. are you because it's not about drying and pelletizing. It's about all the other carrying costs of doing that and getting those hops into the hands of of the, the buyer. And they're assuming all the risk and holding all the inventory because you're getting paid for what you dropped off. So there's a trade-off there where you're saying, I'm a farmer. I'm getting hosed because look at what this crop is selling for. But you're not assuming any of that risk. True. You've you've chosen to say, you know what, I don't want this risk. I'm just dropping my hops off. Give me my forty five cents, and I'm going. Oh, I'll see you next year. Because you're assuming the risk in production, and that's all that you want to do. So this this idea of adding value and what it actually costs to add value to access a market is not linear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because now, if you're going to do that as a grower, it's not just the investment in in the in the equipment and the space and the cost of running it. Now it's also touching the market. So that's sales and customer follow-up and all that kind of stuff. Are you doing that? Because that costs money too. And if you're, if that's not figured into your equation, what you, you could go through all of those steps and, and basically be completely vertically integrated from production to sale. And you might find out at the end of the day, when you crunch all your numbers back, guess how much you're making per pound. <laughs> 45 cents <laughs> you, you may be like son of a bitch <laughs> um, so it's it's not like this super awesome I don't know what you want to call it uh, you're looking at it from, from the side of the grower saying well I'm getting shafted because all you see is the end sale price to the brewer and you're not considering any of the costs and the risks and the carrying costs and the fact that that company in the middle is out to make money as well. Mm-hmm. And they know the patch they control, so they can tweak it as needed. Right. And, and we haven't talked about this from a perspective of they're going to process and hand it back to you. The assumption here is they're processing and then they're, there are carrying costs, but then there are the costs of selling and the costs of marketing that they're mm-hmm. taking on to get that into the brewer's hands. They're the ones with the relationship. It's a it's a slightly different equation if they are if you are using them as a pure service provider and they are handing it back to you and then you're off and selling on your own. But then you're incurring those costs on your own side, except that your time is free, um, to go ahead and sell and market and do all those things. There's a absolute serious cost to that oh god yes <laughs> yes i was obviously your time is free yeah. is one of our tongue-in-cheek yeah, expressions right. um but yes this is absolutely a cost that the because there is a difference between the grower who wants to hand it off at the at the when they're finished with the growing cycle and let the hops go where they may versus 
process this and return it to me because I have customers. You know, I, mm-hmm. I I'm going to do that part myself. But, and that is still a val that's still a value add process. You're handing sure. those hops out to get to get you know pelletized for you, um, but then you're taking them back. And I think then you've got a a slightly better handle on your own cost of goods because okay, I pay a bu- I pay a buck to get these processed and then get mm-hmm. them back bagged and labeled and tested and da 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 da. Um, you're still at the end of the day driving your final price that you're getting for them, but that's not where the end of your cost structure goes. When Correct. when you get that back and you've paid for your processing, oh, I've got my finished product and it cost me X. Oh, no, 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 sir. <laughs> right. And your process, you know, that that manufacturing step of pelletizing and you're, let's say you're paying somebody in there, send them back to you and their price is going to completely be based on what their scale is. You know, when we were doing two or 300 pounds an hour, our price per pound was dramatically higher than it was when we were doing 3,000 pounds an hour. Mm-hmm. Even when you consider in the amortized cost of the equipment, it was much, much, much reduced. So you could have somebody that has one of these small flat die pellet mills, and they're like, yeah, I can pelletize your hops for you. It's going to cost you four fifty a pound. Mm-hmm. Well, James said it cost him $0.10 cents a pound. <laughs> well, yeah, it did, but we had a whole facility dedicated to mm-hmm. hop processing. And that facility sat empty for 48 weeks out of the year. <laughs> yep. Um, and so there's a carrying cost to that as well. But, you know, we also use it for storage. Um, so so don't don't harp on me on that. Some of our hot knowledge is like, why are you telling them how much it costs? It costs me 10 <laughs> times more. Like, just chill out. It's scale. It's, it's all scale. scale. It's numbers. Um, our our price per pound was a lot higher when we had smaller equipment just because the throughput's there and it's costing you the same amount for labor whether you're putting out 3,000 pounds an hour or 300 pounds an hour and you know that that's a really good point in terms of if you do you know if you do decide on your own well I'm gonna I'm gonna do my own processing okay great you're not going to ramp up to the scale that these bigger guys have where they can do it for a buck a buck and a half Mm-hmm. You you start putting all the numbers together and realizing crap it's going to add four and a half dollars a pound to my cost of goods. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is worth it to go to someone else. Yep, and that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, we've talked about this before about hi, about hiring people. Just the concept that paying for expertise, uh, you don't have to be the expert in everything. Paying mm-hmm. for expertise is a very viable business option and a very smart one nine times out of ten. Not everyone can know how to do everything like James. Well, the thing I know the best how to do is be an asshole, apparently. But, you know, we, um, we, we all know that, right? Well, I, I you know, I, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to throw you directly under the bus, but, you know. I do that myself. I think I, okay. you do. I think there are some biases in. in yeah, there are. There's, there. <laughs> There's in statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, the something we didn't. We, we touched on it a little bit, but I want to go back to it, was the value add of marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. And as a grower, just dropping hops off and getting paid on pounds, whatever, pounds wet or pounds dry, you have none of the risk in the marketing angle and the sales angle. You have none of the issues to deal with, with contracting and following up with brewers and all of the stuff that can turn into a gigantic pita for you. And be very risky at the small scale if even a small misstep is made. 
So what is the value add to your business to not have to do that, knowing that you can grow your hops and the only thing you need to be concerned with is getting the best crop you can off your land. And that's where it stops. Everything else is somebody else's problem. That's very freeing. <laughs> right? It, it's freeing and it can be frustrating too. Because you look at it, what do, we, what do we look at? We look at the delta, the difference between what I'm getting paid and what these things are selling for. And it's convenient not to think about the cost of how it gets there. Mm -hmm. We just say, holy hell, look at that. Those things are selling for $22 a pound now, and I'm still getting paid the same amount. Well, that may be true. But in two years, when nobody freaking wants that hop and it's selling for $8 a pound, what are you making? That's when you have to understand what your cost of production is and what you're able to stomach. Because it may come out that that processor wholesaler now doesn't want to even deal with that hop. So they're going to pay you all next to nothing. And sometimes it's probably less than what it costs you to produce them. So why grow them? Mm -hmm. Which is why hop varieties get yanked out of the ground so frequently. Sure. And the, the benefit of being your own marketing and salesperson in that sense is that to a larger degree, you can see the trend coming. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're simply a supplier, depending on who you're supplying to, hopefully they're a good enough vendor there and and distributor that they're going to give you a heads up and go, look, sales on this, this, and this are slowing down. Next year, this isn't going to look nearly as good. Right. Um, but if they're not giving you that heads up and you're just purely a raw material supplier to them, you could end up in a surprise. So you, mm -hmm. when you don't have your eyes on every aspect of that chain, you can miss things. Now let's, let's, I want to step back to something that I said I wanted to come back to, which oh, the, was the drying, yeah, the drying and not drying. Mm -hmm. So we have these things now. Well, let's go back a little bit. And when fresh hops were, green hops were not as well known outside of the hop growing regions. Then people got to the point like Sierra Nevada and some of these other folks, before they had their own hop yards, they were paying big bucks to have charter planes fly in wet hops for, you know, a one-off or two-off brewing session Sheesh. to produce a specialty beer. What? Just the flying them in thing. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. boggles yeah. my mind. And people still do that. Now we've gotten to the point where they they have developed the larger hop, hop processors like Yakman Chief developed flash freezing process where you can get whole flash frozen cones. And then now that they're frozen, they don't have to be put on a plane and flown to you. They can be put in refrigerated or frozen uh, transport and trucked to you. So you can have wet hops at any time, let's say. You'd be thinking, well, they're not drying them. So where's the value add? It's not about the value add at that point. It's about capturing a specialty market so for those of you growers out there who are saying i have to advance my processing to capture more of the market you may absolutely need to but i know there are plenty of you out there listening that sell only wet hops and i see the question frequently how much are you selling wet hops for how much should i be selling my wet hops for all that and i don't want to we've talked about this ad nauseum you have to sell it for more than what it costs you to grow them so how much does it cost to you to grow them? And I wager a guess that you don't know. You're just saying, well, where do I need to be? Because I used to get railed on for the price of our hops, not wet, just even dry and pelletized. 
at the price I sold them at, which was oftentimes less than a lot of other small scale growers because they didn't know what it cost in the process and to grow these things. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is where we're at. We're going to charge a fair price. And if it happens to be lower than everybody else around me, okay. I don't have a problem with that. That gives me an advantage. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. Right. And, and the thing I would caution is, on, on the one hand, I, I agree, and you've always been that way with, you know, I don't care what everyone else is charging for it. I'm going to charge what what my metrics say. Um, it pays to see what other people are charging just to, to give yourself a sanity check that you didn't miss something in your cost structure. I agree. Absolutely, I agree. And I think there's something to be said for level setting the market so that you're not creating bad blood with your neighbors, but also not destabilizing <laughs> the price. True, true. Now we're getting into economics. But yeah, this yeah. idea of of selling wet hops as a somehow a not part, not being a value-added step, that's true. There's, there's less value-added in there but you're selling a specialty niche product now that is rarefied and has more value mm-hmm. because of its rare nature. But I brought up the Yakima Chief and the Flash Frozen Hops to say that's becoming less of a rare thing. It, it, the, the other thing I'll say about that is that they found a way to take the complexity of the final mile of that sale out of the equation. Exactly. Whereas if as, a, as an independent grower... Sure, you can make a couple bucks on wet hops. You've got to coordinate exact timing and pickup and expectation that they can't take these wet hops and save them for next weekend's wedding to put mm-hmm. on the trellis because they, mm-hmm. they will be brown. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so the there is an additional cost to you of the, you know, someone, at least one person, has to be on the ball for grabbing those hops, keeping them on the bind, keeping them secure meeting the person to get paid coordinating with them there's costs to it above and beyond just stripping the the cones and going off and drying them Mm -hmm. that you need to be aware of the thing that i want people to realize is that 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 market is not as rare as it used to be Mm -hmm. because of the virtue of the product Yeah, yeah it's it's not as big a deal anymore and if that's what you're basing your entire production on, I encourage you to look more closely at what the market is doing and the shifts that are being made, because pretty soon that may not be a driver for the small scale, because you just not, aren't going to be able to compete there. Um, mm-hmm. But while it is, this idea of selling it for more, but having had less done to it, like invested into it, value added, is a little bit dichotomous. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's it's weird, but it's I, I want people to as they're thinking about this to to not confuse the two concepts of all these other value added steps in order to produce a, a what we'll call a mainstream product and the costs associated with that compared to what you get paid as basically feeding into let's say a manufacturing raw feedstock compared to having something that's rarefied and something that's special that may account for a very small percentage of the overall, and I'm talking very small, like 0.2% of the marketplace, uh, and have that create your bias per earlier episodes on what you should expect and really where your place is in the supply chain. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's interesting. I, you know what? I compare it to any other canned vegetable, quite frankly, where a 
canned vegetables are, are relatively cheap, but typically and typically cheaper, more processed and cheaper than raw. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the the other steps that have to be taken for for raw to get to you in decent shape. Whereas there's more work being done on the canned vegetables to can them up, but then your shelf life changes. Um, it's really the shelf the shelf life of the transportation open mm-hmm. to you changes dramatically. So and even the, how the customer gets to handle them yes. changes dramatically. Yeah. So so more there's value there. Yeah. But it's cheaper. It is. It's it's your legit your logistics. Logistics is the wrong word. No, they're not. The logistics no, of the raw are are much higher. There's more p- pure processing, I'll say, being done on the canned. So it ends up being cheaper for everyone when it's done, even though more hands are touching it, more work's being done on it. It's not an easy thing to think about. Mm-mm. And so when these questions come up on the Discord, it's like this: we have to talk about this because it's it's a lot of typing. And my thumbs get sore, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Some of that goo on there, baby.